So welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris. And today I am joined with an amazing guest. I'm very excited in our third part series of how to improve your credit. I'm actually bringing you guys, as promised, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. The the person that you as a consumer cannot talk to uh, as a real estate agent, oftentimes you can't get in contact with. And I'm very excited today to have uh, Tracy King Donato on the show with us today. And to tell you a little bit about Tracy, you know, it's just short and simple. Since joining Partners Credit Verification Solutions in 2003, Tracy has held several positions within the company, allowing to take into consideration different perspectives while contributing to the overall operation of the company. For the last seven years, her role has been a COO focusing on evolving the company based on customer needs and market demands. Tracy attended DePaul University and majored in conflict studies, which one would think has nothing to do with mortgage industry, but was a wonderful foundation for her business in raising her two daughters. Tracy currently sits on the Preferred Partner Association Board of the Mortgage Collaborative and has heavily involved with charity work and community services in the Chicagoland area. Tracy, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on here. Thank you. Yeah. So one thing that, one thing I didn't put in there is that not only that, Tracy's a personal friend of mine. I've known her for, for the last really five years here. And uh, she has been a huge influence in our business and our customers and our solutions for that. And that's why I'm excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, it goes both ways. You've been incredible. And, you know, there's always a, a fine balance between the vendor and the lender. And when you can have dialogues that make sense, where both people are listening, it can be so advantageous. So I've always respected you and I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Thank you for those kind words. And, you know, I think for our our audience here, you know, we've been talking about customer credit. We've been talking about, you know, what they can do to improve their score, but let's, let's kind of take it back here. So Tracy's position for our audience, just so you understand, there's three major repositories. There's Equifax, there's TransUnion and there's Experian. And those all come with different uh, synonyms with them like FICO, Beacon, so forth and so on. Fair Isaac, Tracy and her company at Partners Credit, they are the liaison I keep talking about on the first episode that kind of allows lenders to understand what those repositories have data on for you as the consumer. And so for me, I can't go directly to as a lender, and no lender for that matter, can go directly to all three repositories and have any type of electronic um, relationship with them, if you may. You have to use a third-party um, liaison who is licensed and verified to protect that data and ensure that data and deliver it to you as a lender so that you can have the loan and give it to the agencies when you go to securitize that. They have to be verified. Tracy is one of a select few in her company that do that. So I kind of want to set the tone for who you're talking to. That's why I said the Wizard of Oz, because as a consumer, as a real estate agent, as an audience member, like you can't get to Tracy. But today we're bringing Tracy to you. So I'm very excited about that. And she gets to see all the good, the bad, and the ugly about credit. And uh, she's helped debunk a tremendous amount of myths about credit as well. And we're going to talk about those later on the show. So to kind of get right into it, Tracy, you know, what is it that you think um, is the biggest misnomer in credit right now between the consumer and really, let's just say the consumer and the credit bureaus? Like what, what is the biggest challenge you're dealing with right now in this industry? Well, that's, there's, a, there's, there's so many. <laughs> yeah, biggest, how much time do you got, right? I know, right. You know, in terms of, I think there's what the consumer understands is their credit mm-hmm. and what it actually is. Um, the great thing is these, the last few years, the consumer has more access to their credit than they ever had before. Um, they also have access to 10,000 different people telling them how to improve their score or, or 
I shouldn't say that. <laughs> How to become more financially responsible, that doesn't necessarily improve their score. Right. So I should say that. Um, and there's a lot of different voices with them, or they see, oh, well, I pulled my credit and my credit has this score. And it's great that you've been talking to people about different way, different score models that you have. So when they're coming to you, the lender, well, what did you do to my score? What did you do to me? This is what it was, and now it's suddenly changed. So I think there's a lot out there of um, kind of where they think they are versus what they need to do. And I think that it's important for them to understand who the professionals are and for, you know, loan officers and real real estate agents to talk to them and make sure they're going to the proper resources to get the right information that will help them get the house that they want to get and the mortgage loan that they want to get. Yeah. You know, we get a lot of time from customers like in just in the pre, you know, pre-approval process or any type in the loan process, they go, oh, my credit's X. And, and they, they want you to, to give a proposal based on that. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about was you just hinted towards it. There's so many different models, um, so yeah. many different models. So can we take just a second to maybe explain what the, I always say the mortgage credit pool is the most comprehensive yeah. credit pool that you will get as a consumer. It tells us so much more than even an auto loan because oftentimes the auto loan may just look at one bureau. We're looking at all three. And what the mm-hmm. data is we get from you doesn't necessarily show up on that auto report, much less that credit card report. We we find out, you know, w- where you've lived over the lifetime of being in the credit bureau, your jobs, you know, um, as well as your credit scores and every account you've ever opened and closed, as well as any judgment, filings, medical, cl- it goes on and on. When you're dealing with Credit Karma or you're dealing with your credit card companies like uh, Experian Journey, as they call it, those aren't the same. And oftentimes those scores are, are more inflated on that side than what we would see. Can you kind of break down a little bit of the difference there? Well, if you think about it, this has to be the most comprehensive approach in terms of looking at you as um, someone that a bank is going to give money to because mm-hmm. it is going to be the biggest investment Um, that you're going to have and the biggest loan that the bank is going to give, basically, if we look outside of, you know, commercial lending. But this is, you know, you're dealing with a borrower. They really need to understand who you are as a consumer. So you need to have, you know, there are three bureaus. They have different ways of weighing the score. They have different ways of looking at the data. And there's some things that I don't want to go too far in the weeds, but there's um, data that, loan officers don't even see on the credit report. It's something called trended data. And what that data does, and to what Quentin is saying, we resell this data. We're getting the data to protect you as a consumer so that the lender doesn't have this direct um, approach to the Bureau. So we're supplying the data and passing it through to these agencies that are going to loan you the money. And part of that looks at how you're actually Um, making payments on a monthly basis. That's called trended data. So it's not saying, you know, your credit report, think of it as a snapshot in time. At this moment, this is what your score is. This is what you made as a payment last month. Trended data says, well, and this is what they did the month before. This is what they did the month before. And it gives the, the lender an idea of kind of your history of how you're making the payments. Are you making the minimum payment? Are you doing, are you, you know, spending a lot and also paying off a lot? It's giving a comprehensive approach to understand, you know, are you a risk? And it's a hard (laughs) thing to hear, but it's a risk. A loan is a risk. 
Sure. So they need to make sure that, um, you know, who they're providing that money to is a less riskier person than somebody else. So that's why the score matters and why, you know, rates change is how big is their risk? And you want them to understand the most about you so that you do get the proper score. And so that's where credit recently, and, and I know we're going to go into it later, of looking at, you know, medical collections, why that's starting to change in credit of mm-hmm. how that's reported. Because there's a difference be- between someone that decided to get their nails done versus pay their credit card right. and someone had a life-altering event happen that has skewed the way that they are able to pay their bills. And, you know, they might default on um, their medical history, but that doesn't mean that them as a consumer is a risk. That's a life-changing event that has changed their circumstances. You know, for years, that wasn't accounted for like that. That's a recent update. We're going to talk about that here. But, you know, to your point, Tracy, you know, I always say, look, when you look at Credit Karma, if we could use credit karma as an industry, we would do it. <laughs> That's the yeah, other thing. The right. thing is, you know, I just, you know, earlier when I was talking about there's certain third-party vendors, which what that's what credit karma is. They're a third-party liaison, but they're not approved through the government agencies to insure these loans. There's a reason why we can't use that because it's not as in-depth to what you just referred to as. And to me, while customers have more access to their credit, I wish it was more unified. And I know you do yeah. too, because it does give a false sense of, I don't want to say security, but a false sense of um, ideology of what you're going into because you're like, well, man, I'm a, I'm a 780. I deserve the best of the best. And then you get your credit pulled and you're a 721. And you're going, wait a minute, how did that change? And then that leads to the debate of, well, you pulled my credit, so my credit went down. And, yeah. um, you know, and I want to talk about that for a second. You know, what's the, break down the myth of this because you've done it so well. I've heard it so many times. We have customers that, um, and, and rightfully so, they've been told this or they've assumptively have come up with this based on a situation that's happened to them. But here's a great example. My credit karma score is 780. You pulled it, got a 721. My score dropped. Well, we just explained the differential there. So it could be that. Yeah. But let's assume we're comparing apples to apples and, you know, customer went to lender A, had their credit pulled. And they're shopping a deal. And then maybe three, four days later, they go to lender B and they're like, you know what? Let me see if I can get a better offer, which happens all the time. They have their credit pulled and their score drops. Well, we're looking at two of the same pools. Shouldn't the score be the same in three to four days? You want to break down why that oftentimes is never the case. And and by the way, I I don't use the word never often, but I'm going to use the never right here. So you want to kind of walk them through that? Yeah, there's, well, there's two parts to it. First, as I mentioned earlier, when you pull someone's credit, it is a snapshot of that very moment. And credit is fluid. There are different uh, creditors out there. If you could have 20 different creditors on your credit report that each report to the bureaus at a different time, there's not like, hey, everybody, today's the day that the bureaus are updating their information. <laughs> we wish, we wish we knew that. Sure. There isn't. So guys, so, so just to understand briefly what she's saying is that if you have multiple credit cards, you have an auto loan, a mortgage, they're not all going to report on the first of the month. They have rolling billing cycles and we've done a whole episode on what that means. If you want to know what that means, tune back into that episode. But rolling billing cycles is what she's referring to. Yep. And so that can change. So yesterday, if you pulled my credit... And I had a credit card that had a $500 balance on it, and my limit was $2,000. Well, then they reported it differently. You pulled my credit today, and my credit score changed by 20 points. Well, guess what could have happened? Either I went and I went shopping, and now it's reporting that my balance is at $1,999, mm-hmm. and it's right next to it. 
So you have to kind of look at everything that's on your credit report and know that it's ever it's changing all the time, which is why, you know, we talk about like, don't go on a shopping spree. Don't do things when you're in the loan process. Right. But the next part that's really important to understand as well is that there is a grace period as well. When you are uh, applying for a mortgage loan, there's a grace period. It's different with all bureaus, but the main one, the shortest one is 14 days. You have 14 days. And where different inquiries, so different pulling people pulling your credit will not affect you multiple times. And then the next thing to know after that is that even if you did pull the credit, it takes 30 days for that to have any kind of impact on your score. And I want to say this, inquiry, they in, in thinking about all the things impacting your score, that is going to be a sliver yeah. of what of what you need to be concerned about. And you can work with someone and other changes to make. If your score is low and you're trying to increase it, it's not going to be like, well, I don't want you to pull my credit again after I do all this work. No. Like, we take that into consideration. I want to unpack that because that was a lot of really good points there that I think the audience needs to, like, just if you get anything from this episode, this is what I want you to get. What I just heard was if you're shopping for the mortgage – you're automatically given a 14-day, at minimum, a 14-day grace period to look around. And I think that makes sense because if you think about it, why on earth would the credit bureaus punish you for trying to find the best deal? They're going to give you 14 days to do that. And I think that is a huge fact to take away from this conversation because I oftentimes think my industry uses that as a leverage tool to scare customers and tell them, you know, hey, listen, if you just... I've got your score now, but if you go shop, it could fall, and then I can't guarantee this rate. Like, I've actually heard competitors use that as a tool, and uh, it's gone on for way too long, and, and, you know, it takes, you know, a long time to kind of debunk this, but I really appreciate you saying that because that's what I was hoping you would talk about is that 14-day grace period. That's really important. And then, well, and, and to ahead. your point, it's, it's kind of like a, a switch because it right. might have gone down when you went to a different person, but that's because your credit changed. It right. wasn't the end. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, what happens is, you know, borrowers get excited. They buy furniture. They start putting in things to, to be delivered. And, and that's the shopping that you're referring to there. And I totally understand that because that's something that we've worked on educating as an industry for a long time. But, you know, this leads to another question. It, do you think the credit, like, is there such thing as credit reform? Do we need credit reform right now? Um, you know, because I know Vantage 4.0 is coming out or is already out. Yeah. And I saw a statistic to where the Vantage 4.0 model has now made over 6 million borrowers lendable in the new guidelines. They've taken their credit scores from, I see you smiling right now, because it's taking it's taking credit scores from below 640 and has now put them in that 640. And I say that for audience because that seems to be the standard, you know, uh, standard bottom, if you may, right now in our industry as of right now being lendable. And so maybe mm -hmm. 620, you know, in some cases, I say 640, that covers all products, but 620, 640 in that range, it's taking those borrowers above that to where now they are eligible for a mortgage in this 4.0 model. And there's some people going, this is great. Then there's some people going, hey, listen, you're, you're, you're messing with the risk model here and that that could right. lead to potential issues because they may have a credit score of X for a reason and we need to have that in consideration. What's your thoughts on that? Mixed. Mixed, okay. I, yeah, and, and here's the reason why and why I was kind of smiling with that. So, yes, there's going to be a new Vantage score. What their platform is really is saying the key word mm -hmm. is potential to bring in borrowers that were not score worthy previously and be able to give loans to kind of the, the borrowers that were 
marginalized before not being able to to get there. So it does talk a lot about um, minority lending, um, how this is going to open up avenues for it. I think that there is two sides to this where, you know, how do we score borrowers? Um, how do we look at your risk? And part of Vantage is saying, you know, right now, if I have my daughter, who's too young, but if she was a little older, go out and get a credit card. She would need to have, in order to get a score on her credit report, with our current mortgage model credit report, she would have to have two credit cards that have been in existence for six months. Okay. With the new model, they're saying it's one month can start to get you... Okay, what can you tell from somebody in one month? I agree. Now, I I understand the eagerness of someone that's like, listen, well, I just never had a credit card. I've been paying my bills. I pay my rent every month. I pay all my utility. I live in an area where, you know, they taught me, like, don't get lost in credit. Mm -hmm. There I do see something, I agree with that too. And there's a history with rent. There's a history with utilities. And you've been consistent with paying those. I think that should show up on the model. I do as well, or a way to access that information to make it usable. So right now you you kind of can, it could be a manual um, underwrite, which basically means you kind of like share all this data. It makes it really arduous and, and difficult to do. Right. So I do think in some ways, you know, the problem with reform in this and the problem of getting utilities and um, landlords on the credit report is that the majority of landlords could be a mom and pop shop where they have two buildings. Are they reporting bureaus? Yes. So it's not easily accessible. So I'm, you know, until we have a way to do that, I think information like that should have some weight to it, a way to, to, um, you know, whether it's by banking records or something that Mm -hmm. we can easily assess that and that could be used for credit. Um, But you know, if we're changing the way that we value risk or trying to make it easier to get in, I'm hesitant. But we won't see it until we see it. And and part of the new score is going to be a side-by-side version of mm-hmm. and I have to look at them against each other. I think that's going to really start to change the discussion and see what really is the difference here. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. I think it's really important for our audience to understand like by no means is Tracy and I arguing that certain people shouldn't be have the opportunity to get a loan. That's my news. What we're saying is that from a risk assessment, let me paint a picture here. If if your price point, I'm just gonna say four hundred thousand dollars. Let's say your price point, I know in Chicago where you are right now is not that, but let's just say it's four hundred thousand dollars and you're gonna put the minimum down payment down. So you're bringing twenty grand to the table and the bank's bringing three hundred and eighty thousand dollars. 
the risk is definitely on the bank. And, you know, I know a lot of audience will argue with us that the oh, banks can afford to lose that. The banks are ripping people off. I've heard it all. But the reality is this, it's still a risk assessment model. And I think to your point, one month of good pay history cannot determine a loan of that magnitude. However, I think if we could get the utilities to streamline, since they're online and they're validated, cell phone validated, if we could start getting that stuff to report to the bureaus and for our audience, the reason people don't report to the credit report is it costs money. It's not cheap. Mm -hmm. It costs money. Typically, you have to you have to batch the data, then you have to report that batch data, and you have to have a department that does that and validates that. This isn't like a oh right click create a CSV file and upload. Like there has to be you're, you're creating new jobs. You're taking on additional expense plus the money to report. That's why they don't do it. There's a lot of hesitancy behind that. And there's auditing to it. Like, right. you know, beyond, if they have to, how do you validate it? Where does, you know, who, how, who does it come back to if that information is not accurate? Correct. You know, so it, it is, it's very complicated. So I'm glad you reiterated that. I'm not saying that as well. I'm saying if we're going to look at credit reform, we have to look at the data that we're getting, how we're getting it and what we're accepting. So um, is it, it's, does it stand at just a credit report or can we start looking at, you know, other data points that you can validate? So mm -hmm. if we can't go directly to the mom and pop um, landlords, can we start using if they do direct deposit every month? And right. that's considered criteria that can be added in somehow to it. So yeah, I'm more on that page, but, you know, again, glacial pace. Yeah. And I mean, there. let's just to be transparent, we're probably looking at a minimum of five-year adoption plan here. This isn't happening in the next 30 days, uh, the next six months, the the next year. We're looking at a massive time frame for adoption, widely adoption. And, I, and if I had to guess, just based on my, my time in the business, it'll start at a small test level and work its way through the system. It won't be a widely massive adopted. Yeah. And there's, and there's things out there right now, Experian Boost, and people will be like, mm -hmm. why do you Experian Boost? Um, but that Experian boost still, it doesn't count towards the score. So Correct. it can show some of that information, but ultimately it's not scorable. So ultimately if you're sending it to the government agency, they're not using it. Right. And so we it's a little a smoke and mirrors. Yeah. We battle yeah. that a lot. A lot of customers have, we, it took about a year and a half to overcome Experian boost and what they were doing out there. That, there's, that doesn't qualify on our side, unfortunately. And I wish there was a disclaimer that explained that, but there's not. Right. So, you know, yeah. let's talk a little about collections because I think this is probably the most recent credit reform, if you may, that we've had that I think mm -hmm. impacts the consumer at such a high level. We had a gentleman on our show back around episode 60 plus or so, and he owned a healthcare, um, healthcare insurance company. And what we were learning quickly is that you know, when you go to the doctor and you're sick, you want to get taken care of, or, or you're, you're hurt and you want to get taken care of, this ideology of, hey, I'm not going to tell you how much this costs. I'm just going to get you taken care of. And yeah. then I'm going to send you a bill later. And that bill is non-negotiable uh, unless your insurance company negotiates it for you. But if you're out of network, you're, you're kind of stuck. You don't know what this cost is. You just wanted to get the problem resolved. So you do it. You sign away your rights and then you get this bill. And even, and sometimes you don't even get the bill. Like sometimes it gets lost in the mail or you don't know what it is, et cetera, et cetera. But you get this medical collection. And for my entire time in the, in the mortgage industry, these have been rampant. And yeah. I mean, right, wrong, or indifferent, they'll just show up. And it could be as little as $10 all the way up to thousands of dollars. But yeah. 
the $10 one is just as painful as the $10,000 one as far as a score impact. And so as of recently, we've had some some rules come out that have said, hey, listen, um, you know what, I'll, you're the expert. I'm gonna let you walk us through. What, is, what are those rules recently said, Tracy? So the, um, there was one, it started with that medical collections that were under $500 um, paid or unpaid, were no longer eligible for reporting. Um, huge. So, which is huge, huge. Because like you said, we were seeing things that were like $23, $15. And if you've gone through anything with a family member yourself, um, to your point, sometimes you're getting a million different bills from different departments. You think you've had it covered. Somehow this one got lost somewhere and they didn't even know they had it. Because it's like, okay, well, you've got you know, you're paying a $500 car payment. Why didn't you pay the $23 medical collection? You didn't know mm-hmm. it was there. Um, and then uh, then later, um, that any medical bill that is greater than $500 and has been sent to collections, it cannot be reported for at least 12 months. So it's giving the borrower some time to be able to um, make some payments on it, get rid of it. Again, recognizing this is probably a fluke and it's not something that's typical for them. Um, and down the line, medical bills um, and collections, hopefully, will completely be gone from credit. That's the next thing that's in the pipeline that people are talking about, decisions are being made um, in regards to. So that's huge. But one thing that I do think is important for a consumer that's listening or someone that's giving guidance to someone is that with collections, you do have some leverage. And there is some conversations that you can have while you're making that payment. And it's important to do saying, you know, you're calling the collection company and say, I would like to make this payment, but I would like for you to agree to remove it from my credit history. They have the power to do that. And sometimes that's a small negotiation tactic. Mm -hmm. Like I'll pay it if you agree to remove it. Oftentimes they will, and especially if it's medical collection, and it will come off anyway if it's, you know, under zero after a certain point. But um, it's important for you to do that and ask them for a letter in writing so that you're able to hold on to that and have validation of that so that you can have that medical debt removed or collection from your credit report. Because your credit history and your derogatory information that's accounting for the majority of your score. So um, your payment history is paying accounts on time, late payments or collections. That's 35% of how your credit score is determined. Yeah, you know, and I think that, uh, I think for those that are looking for that chart that you're referring to, that's going to be on our YouTube channel at what's your one more with the number one at what's your one more with the number one, you'll find that chart and we continue to keep putting it in there that shows that 35% and then the 30% and then, you know, the 15, 10, 10, because it's really important that you understand that that payment history, that's the bulk of the, that's the major factor there. And, And what Tracy's referring to is as we move that medical collection, the payment history improves, which is why you get such a big jump in your credit score. Yep. And it can jump. I mean, we're talking about what you were talking about before, going from a 620 to a 640. That could be a 620 to a 680. You know, it's It's huge. huge. And as an example, on the previous episode of this, we actually took some of the slides that you provided to us with the trade lines and we showed what a trade line is. We showed the collection that you had in there and we showed what it did for the score boost on there 
to what you're referring to. And it was a 47 point jump. So again, yeah. this is, this is important. Now I think the key takeaway there is, and I want to make sure we reiterate this to our audience. It's not just medical collections, it's any collection. And you want to negotiate. If I pay this, you will remove it from my bureau and you will provide me with a paid in full letter. Guys, this is not abnormal. Like this is everyday practice for them. And so them saying yes should be a, um, pretty simple. For them to say, no, there has to be something really wrong here. Um, but they'll say yes to this and you get the letter. It may take 24 hours to get it emailed or faxed to you or mailed. But when you get it, if you're on the loan process, you can provide that to your lender. They have an, they have the ability to fast track that into the three bureaus using yeah. a partner like Tracy's uh, over at Partners Credit. And you can accelerate that and that's called a credit rescore and you can get that removed pretty quickly. So there's the power in having that letter to get instantaneous removal. And it's hard. And I, we are so pers personal attachment to our credit mm -hmm. history. It, people are very, very sensitive about it. And sometimes taking that deep breath to just open up the, the envelope that you know says the bill, mm -hmm. then to actually call that place and say, okay, I want to, you know, I think what you said is huge, Quentin. This is their day to day. This is their life. They talk to a million of you a day. Yep. I know it feels a lot that it's, you know, it's you like, oh, did I screw up? Like, what have I done? In that moment, claim it. See what you can do. If you have a dream to get where you want to be, use it. And it's okay. No one is judging you. Um, it has happened to us all, <laughs> even myself. Right. You know, we've all been there. We can't always, you know, life happens. Mm -hmm. We make choices. We make mistakes, you know. Now, if you're on that journey to make it better, then make it better all the way. Don't just, you know, get it paid, but like see what you can do to really drive it home. Yeah, we talk about this all the time on the show. We preach this. I know it's not like a broken record, but if you communicate with your creditors before the situation gets bad, you would be yeah. amazed at how much they will work with you. If you wait until it's, you know, irrecoverable, they're going to be, their hands are going to be tied. They're not going to be able to work with you as much. So being proactive in these measurements is what Tracy's referring to. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And I can't recommend that enough because as you said, we've all been there. So we know it works. Yeah. It's really, really important. Yeah. So Tracy, as we start to wrap up the episode here, I want to talk a little bit about this last topic, which is, okay, I'm driving down the road. I see a billboard. I see signs will improve your credit or, you know, uh, credit score improvement or, or credit. I mean, I've seen them all, right? Call this number. Can, can we talk about why people don't want to do that? Can we just briefly touch on like, this is not a great idea. This is not, yeah. this is a waste of money. I, I just want to go ahead yeah. and buyer beware. It, buyer beware yeah. because, you know, you know, and also it's like, it's for free and it'll be great. Nothing is for free. Also, you know, if someone is, saying that they can do this and, you know, we'll take care of everything. And and as we spoke before, we've all had instances in which it could bring our score down. Okay. Mm -hmm. And some are more significant than others. Typically what they do is they, they just barrage these people with, no, they didn't, no, they didn't, no, they didn't. Yep. Dispute, um, dispute, dispute. The, dispute, dispute, dispute. Okay. So all that does is it puts a dispute on your credit trade line. So the trade line is the information for that one specific creditor. So um, now your credit report has that information. The dispute mark is on it. They have to investigate it. It takes 30 days to investigate the, you know, and if it comes back, you just have a dispute on there. It's not improving your score. It might temporarily kind of, because it's basically just muting it a little yeah, bit. It's exactly but if you're analogy. actually going to go 
try to get a loan, guess what you can't have on your credit report with existing debt? Yeah, you can't have that dispute. So you're going to have to get that dispute removed. And that's going to be the problem here. Um, You know, because as soon as the lender, quote unquote, unmutes that dispute, well, guess what? Score is going to come right back to what it was. So it's right. it's fool's gold. And so, you know, yeah. I, I it's a great analogy. I love that mute, unmute. That's a great way of putting well, it. And it's, it's wasting your time. So even though they're like, we can do this right away. Here we go. We're going to get this going. It's wasting your time because whether, if it is truly inaccurate, if there is inaccurate data on your credit report, you can go directly to the bureaus. There's a great website called annualcreditreport.com. Love that one. You have access directly to the bureaus where you can then say, this is not true or go directly to the creditor. This is not true. Get it in writing. If it is true and it is something that has happened and there is a negative impact on your credit, you should rather be focused on what you can do to rebuild which is not what these people are telling you. What they're doing is fighting to try to get rid of any information that's negative on your report, putting that dispute on it. What you really should be doing, who you should be calling, is someone that you're trying to get a loan with that is not everybody because not all lenders are created the same. And I will say that, and I'll I'll fluff you up and um, Quentin and your branch is that What you guys really do is you seem to work with borrowers. A lot of times people call lenders, and I've done it myself, where they fast talk you. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this right now, right now, right now. Rather than, we could do this today, or in 60 days I can get you, you know, how what's your timeline look like? How quickly do you need to move? Do we have time to improve your score? That is key. And if it is a good loan officer, if it is a good lender, if, you know, at realtors, and this is important for you to be know who you're working with, are they going to take the time to educate their, the borrower on how to get to a better place? And that's typically, let's look at your credit. Let's look at your debt. Let's look at how we can bring you down to a ratio. And I know you've talked about it on, on different episodes of your credit limit versus your balance. How can we put you in that sweet spot And let's see how we can get your score up. That takes time as well, but it gives you a broader understanding of what you as a borrower need to do versus pretend it's not there and like, oh, you can get it away from me and my mistakes. It's there. It's it's going to be there. It's happened. Now, how do we rebuild? Yeah. And I think uh, that annualcreditreport.com link, we'll put that in our YouTube channel, what's your one more with the number one. But the thing that I want to, the thing that I really want to harp on here is what I'm hearing is there's no such thing as a credit repair expert. And what I'm hearing is that the lenders, no matter what lender you're working with, for the most part, have the tools to give you scenarios that say, if you do this, then this is possible. Not like, hey, I'll just dispute everything and it'll it'll unmute and then run your score up. But you got repercussions later on you got to deal with. The lenders will actually fix it. And it's actually a permanent fix. It's not a temporary fix. Yeah. Now, it, mm-hmm. it's not going to cost you the borrower money in the form of the lender's going to charge you to do that. But there may be some balances you have to pay down. And that's where the money comes in that you would pay. And that's to your point, no such thing as, as, as a free lunch. But I think that that's important. That the, really the only credit experts that a consumer can go work with is their lender. It's not, yeah. the, it's not the sign you see on the side of the road. So I really appreciate you touching on that and, uh, and kind of letting the audience know exactly the buyer beware sticker on that. You know, yes. I'll, leave, I'll leave with this. So I always have thought I own three dogs. I got 
two golden retrievers and a King Charles. Anytime I say, do you want to go outside? Like their ears perk up and they turn and look at you. That's how I feel consumers are when I'm like, all right, we're about to pull your credit. And literally the ears perk <laughs> up and you, you will never have a borrower's greater attention than that moment yeah. right there. Because it leads to your point. Everyone is so, um, they're, they're, they're kind of in a way insecure about their credit, even if they know it is. It's that deep breath of, what is he going to say? They're going to pull it because we're about to learn everything about your past and, and what you've been doing as, as a borrower and the agreed upon mutual payments that you've made with your creditors. It's a scary moment. And, you know, and I just, I want our audience to understand that there's ways to take control of that and there's ways to improve that and there's ways to do it to where you don't get ripped off. And there's ways to be methodical about it and understand the difference between what you're seeing online, whether unless you go to annualcreditreport.com, what you're seeing at Credit Karma, my FICO, Experian Boost, et cetera. They're there for a reason, but they're not representative of what your loan's going to look like as far as decision-making. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And uh, I'm so glad you could join us today and be the expert on this and shed so much light and spend some time with us in what appears to be very cold Chicago. So, uh, you know, we're down here in Florida, so I see cold Chicago in the background there. But, you know, Tracy, you know, uh, appreciate you being on the show today. Just a wonderful guest, great expert, uh, dear friend. And uh, thanks again for spending some time with us this morning. Thank you, Quinn. I so appreciate it. And thank you to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, if you want more information on Partners Credit, if you're a lender and you're like, man, I really liked what she had to say. The fact that the COO was on the podcast and they have that kind of relationship. And by the way, that's what you get when you work with partners. If you're a lender, Tracy, you want to tell them exactly how they can get in touch? What's the best way for them to reach out to uh, to you and your team? Yeah, you can reach out to me directly. My email is T as in Tracy King, K-I-N-G at Partners credit.com. Okay. So, and we will also have that in the show notes and in the uh, YouTube channel as well for easy access for everyone. So guys, if you like what you're hearing, please five-star review this podcast on any platform you listen to your podcast on. I would especially appreciate it if you went to Apple and you put, hey, listen, great episode comments on there, or hey, Quentin made me do this. That would work just great too. But if you would put that on there, we'd greatly appreciate it. And then obviously check us out on all of our socials and our YouTube channel at What's Your One More and all the show notes will be in there. Tracy, thanks again for being on the show. You are the best. I appreciate it. Thank you, Quentin. Appreciate it. See Thanks. you guys soon. We'll see you guys on the next episode of What's Your One More. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance. I'm going to take it. I meant it when I said it. Now it's time for me to do 